This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorn all the way up north of the wall, the lands of always winter. And now, maybe, west of west, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Cat Napsuck for another edition, the 20th full edition of Casterly Talk looking back at this feed because this used to be the Daily Thrones feed here on Anchor when I used to do a show for them uh, daily, 10 minutes a day I had to do, uh, talking Game of Thrones and we have to, we'd have to dig deep sometimes, sometimes the conversations came very easily, in fact a lot of them were started by your calls your voice messages, which is why these episodes right now in Casterly Talk as we kind of wind down from season 8 and the just season itself ending. Uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying hearing hearing your guys' thoughts and questions and thought starters uh, while we just kind of all take a breath and move on as Casterly Talk rolls on and we'll have more of that in a bit here on this episode. So it's been a lot of fun but I was going back looking at some of the Daily Thrones ones and uh, there's some episodes where I just straight I think tried to predict the ending which I've always said I'm very bad at predictions and I never want to be super super right. You know, I, I was I was pretty right on uh, Arya Stark. I'm not keeping score at home, but that one just made sense. It just clues along the way. Well, that was there. But I, I say even the, the Star Wars, Game of Thrones, any, any of these franchises, I just uh, I don't want to go in and have my predictions be right because then, I, you know, I'm not that great of a storyteller. So it should be better than that. It should be different than that. We're going to talk about that as well today. But I'm curious. I didn't press play. I did not press play on those episodes, but I think I will, just to see how far off, maybe just how close I might have been. Uh, here's the deal. If you want to call in, you just go to our Casterly Talk location on Anchor. Anchor.fm. Get the app, and that's the easiest way to do it, because it's right on your phone. Get the app. You press leave a message. You got a minute, about 59 seconds, to leave the message, uh, and then we take it here. Uh, you can hear, uh, you know, put the. It's a phone call, but you know, sometimes the audio's uh, it, it, it's different, and just bear with all of us uh, on that one today. But it's a lot of fun to hear your uh, thoughts, your voices. In fact, that's how Thomas Risling, who does our ruminations from the realm segment, got started. He used to always call in at Daily Thrones, and I just uh, really like to style a lot of you. Eric Monroe contributes a lot. Uh, Vic, in fact, they'll be calling in here today with some great stuff, too. So that's kind of where we are this month, and uh, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. But I want to get to some questions, some conversations to get into with all of your promptings. Here we go. First one up from, uh, like I said, the aforementioned Eric Monroe. 
Hey, Ken Casterly Talk. So, Ken, I'm sure you've seen there's a report out that originally the show, they wanted uh, Sergura to survive um, the events of season eight, and then they changed their minds. And since you're the biggest Sergura fan that I know of, and, you know, I'm a fan of the character as well. In fact, I love the whole house. Uh, I love this father. I love Leona Mormont. Rest in peace. Here we stand. But I have to be honest, I think they made the right decision having him go out the way he did in the long night defending Danny. Now, there is a part of me that thinks, you know, it would have definitely been powerful to see him experience what Daenerys ended up doing. But I think his death was a catalyst to her ending up doing what she did. But um, since you are the biggest fan of that character that I know of, what do you think? Would you rather have him survived or do you think it was more appropriate for him to go out the way he did? Eric Monroe hit me in the heart here with Sir Jorah Mormont. And I do love House Mormont as well. When people ask me what house would you join, Ken, I always always answer the Night's Watch. It's still probably my answer. A lot of that does have to do with Jorah Mormont. Uh, And uh, Leanna Mormont comes along, steals the show, and I do love Sir Jorah. So, yeah, I saw this story, too. This thing, hey, there was talks of uh, maybe Jorah was going to survive. I, uh, I, I'll I, say this, and this is you know, mostly show, show only. It might play out a little different in the books. We, we understand that. I think I'm very happy with what happened. It was sad. It, 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 it took, uh, took a toll on me. Uh, it hit my soul, uh, him uh, dying, defending Danny, uh, and not falling to the last white. Many of them, I, I believe, were uh, Dothraki, too. Um, there's some tragedy there. I, it, it, it was very sad, but in that good way, where it hurt so good. So I liked it. I also think it's key to her story that looking back now, eight seasons, she just starts losing a lot of those who were in her corner. Not even those who would talk her out of doing what she did. Jorah would probably definitely be one of those, I think, though, you know, hey, there's a beast in every man, and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. Jorah's got some thoughts on that, too, there. Barristan was always the one really, really focusing on, uh, you know, don't meet justice with injustice. But I think Jorah definitely would have, nah, hey, let's not do this. But I don't know if he could have gotten to her. And I think that actually would have been a very tragic thing for me as a Jorah fan. And this is just speaking to Jorah not the story at large with Danny and everything, but as, you know, say he defends her there, makes that stand in the long night and survives. And he's injured, recovers and everything. He has to watch her just do this horrible deed and make this kind of final commitment to being uh, um, a Targaryen, really. I was going to say Mad Queen, but I don't think that's right. Calling her the Mad Queen, I don't, I don't think is right. Uh, I think she had a lot of reasons for doing what she did. That doesn't mean I'm condoning it or think you should burn down cities. Um, But it made sense to me uh, how she got there. For others, it didn't. But for me, it did. But Jorah being gone is one of them. Barristan being gone is one of them. Dario, Naharis, dumping him. He did say, you're a conqueror, Daenerys Stormborn. But would he have stopped her from doing this? I don't know. If she just had had one more voice in her corner. Dario's a lot of things. And as a Sajora fan, I didn't always like Dario, no matter who was playing him. I think it's fair to say Dario was in her corner. She didn't have support. She lost all of her support along the way. She was alone. Targaryen alone in the world. In the world. Not a good thing, right? So... I am happy. It makes sense for me story-wise. And as a Jorah fan, going back... Watching his journey, 
I wanted some justice for Jorah. We did a Casterly Talk episode. It was one of the title. Uh, it was one of the questions, but it was, it was the title of the episode. Jorah, justice for Sir Jorah. Justice for me would have been walking, being able to walk away from all of this. I never thought he'd get Danny. I never thought he'd share a smooch with Danny. Uh, nope, wasn't gonna work out that way. But maybe some kind of peace. Jorah was very conflicted. A lot of pain in his soul. A lot of self-loathing, doubt. Uh, self-flagellation, I think I wanted peace for Jorah. Dying for the woman he loved, and that love grew but also changed. I I don't think even Jorah would say it was all purely romantic in the end. I I think that was a kind of peace, and it was a beautiful moment, and I wouldn't trade any of it for that. So I think they, like, like you, Eric, I think they made... The right call. We'll see in the books. And uh, yeah, at this point, you know, it's tough to say. We're going to do a lot of casually talk. We're going to talk about books and everything. So I'll always try to put out book spoiler notices if you're still reading the books or you're just starting out to read the books. Things just play out differently for a lot of the characters. So when we're discussing about it, I want to be mindful of those who have not read the books but still plan to. Uh, so slight Jor moment here. Spoilers. Um, you know he 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 doesn't have this uh, all the story. He doesn't have the grayscale. Uh, that's with the character of John Connington, and I I I'm pretty sure it'll play out slightly different. But I think the way even George R. R. Martin seems to be laying it out, it just makes some sort of sense that he died in a similar fashion, uh, at least to me. But if they Dan and Dave or the team had thoughts of leaving him to the end, maybe George is leaving him to the end. But I don't think George gave them those details. We'll find out maybe one day. Maybe we'll never find out what exactly, you know, if they run down the list. All right, George, how you doing? New Mexico's great. Um, Danny, what's that? Uh, she burns down King's Landing. Okay. Jon Snow, uh, he's a Targaryen, but, you know, he ends up heading back north of the wall. Okay. Pycelle, Jorah, Baelish. I, I don't think they necessarily ran down the list for every single character. Maybe in general. And maybe they told him, and, and I, you know, George has said, and I actually really agree and understand with George. Like, it, it is a butterfly effect. You change a season two moment, that's going to have some ripples into what is in the, the book story. So who knows? Who knows? But I think for the show, they made the right call. Thanks for the call, Eric. Hey, Ken. It's Vic. Now that the show's over, I wanted to ask you about the idea of subverting expectations. I hear this term used a lot these days in the context of The Last Jedi and Game of Thrones, and you might even say that some of the popularity of these things is due to the fact that what you think is going to happen seldom does. But when does subverting expectations go too far? I think about the last season, and so many of the plot arcs that fell flat for me were the ones that were set up or teased in prior seasons. The White Walkers, the Children of the Forest, Azura High, John being Targaryen, Danny's supposed pregnancy. None of them really had a major payoff, and I'm wondering if that's caused by Dan and Dave trying to overly subvert our expectations. And maybe they just took things too far, and that's what led to some of the backlash we're seeing now. Would love to hear your thoughts. Vic, great call, great question. Subverting expectations is a thing I I can't fully answer on. Uh, I can't... uh... I think it's it's a lot of it's in the eye uh, of the beholder, right? Uh, some of the things you've, you've listed here, I, I wrote them down here, Vic, on, on, on what was a great, great call. White Walkers, uh, Children of the Forest, 
John and Aegon, John being Aegon Targaryen. Uh, prophecy of Azor Ahai, Azor Ahai reborn. Danny's pregnancy, you say. I don't know if you meant Cersei's, but Danny, definitely we got some ideas that this could be, it was hanging over our heads. Um, and I'll even throw in the Cersei one, which I think played out. It was, it was, you know, not as, uh, it wasn't a factor as much as we thought. But here's the thing. So I, again, I, this is my take on it. And I have, I have friends, I have close friends who are just, Angry, angry at some of the things. Jon Snow being Aegon Targaryen, that meant nothing. I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that statement at all. That it didn't mean anything. It just didn't mean what you thought it meant. And I keep coming back to that. And it goes to The Last Jedi, I think. Uh, I think sometimes, yes, you can twist and turn yourself into problems. And there is a behind-the-scenes thing uh, talking about the Clegane Bowl. I think uh, David Benioff is one talking about how they're they, they they he says we don't want to always give the audience what they want or what they'd expect. I'm paraphrasing, but with the Clegane Bowl, it was what we wanted and what the audience wanted. And and again, I, so I don't hear a lot of people complain about that one. Maybe it didn't uh, reach your expectations, but that's also sometimes the problem. And and I'll go to the Snoke one here, where I see a lot of things. I've seen titles of really crappy YouTube videos. From crappy YouTubers saying, you know, uh, Endgame uh, subverted expectations correctly. Last Jedi did not do it correctly. Ryan Johnson was not, and I I will argue to your face in person with you. Ryan Johnson did not kill Snoke to trick the audience, to throw a storyline away. It made sense for the story he wanted to tell. And that's where I think uh, is the the judging line for if it was done right or correct take whether or not you liked it or not out of the equation snoke being killed ties to kylo unchained and kylo in that moment choosing actually ben solo slash kylo ren in the moment choosing to be kylo ren that's the moment he fully becomes who he's supposed to be and he does so by removing his master earlier than we would think in these kind of stories and so we're not getting a big final showdown with snoke he doesn't matter We'll get a backstory. We'll get other things. I don't think we're done hearing about Snoke by any stretch of the imagination. That's my kind of the litmus test for me. Does it make sense? And some of the things in Game of Thrones, I, I get. You have to maybe work a little bit. I know the Baelish one upsets uh, Andres a lot. That it didn't seem to be in character. It seemed to be rushed and a lot of those things. And I, and I get a lot of it. The rush thing kind of factors into this too. But as far as like John and Aegon Targaryen, it it did factor in. It factored into Danny's story. It was one of the big motivators for Danny. And I don't think, I, I still think, I still think, this is why Bran becomes more of a, a, a better choice for me. And, and Bran was not, I you know, I've talked about it. It's one of the ones I'm still like, okay, Bran's the king. Interesting. I'm going to go back and watch and see how that tracks for me. I don't know. Again, I do not know. There's some might might be some people listening who know what George R. R. Martin has planned. We'll see if George crowns Brand the Broken as well. Then I, I like it even more because it's a statement to me. It's it's uh, not subverting the expectations. It is a statement for who he thinks might be a better ruler, someone who doesn't want it. And John didn't want it either. And I don't know if he would have been a good king. I don't know. I don't think. 
And I'll tie in the Azor High one. We talked a little bit about it on the episode with uh, Rachel and Lon and Andres here. Uh, the show very, I keep, I keep coming back to this. The show barely mentions things like Azor High, Prince of His Promise. We do get it. It hangs over it. I still think John is Azor High reborn. Because if you really go into the prophecy and you can dig around, go to Reddit, YouTube, wherever you want to go, go to podcasts that uh, a little smarter than me. I'm a pop song. There's some big, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's some big, uh, I'm a little three-minute pop song when it comes to talking about Game of Thrones. I got some depth, but I'm mostly just a catchy three-chord song here. But you can go to History of Westeros, a lot of other places, and all shift X, whatever, and they got the prophecies memorized. I don't. Um, But Zora High, we we naturally, and we talked about on the show, we naturally assumed it had everything to do with the Long Night and the Night King. It makes perfect sense. Song of Ice and Fire. But in the end, I think it's a song of ice and fire, Danny and John. And I think he becomes Azora High because she is the great darkness. It was everyone was feared. Everyone feared her. She was going to conquer the world. And there's three attempts. If you look at the prophecy, there's, there's John, Arya, doesn't matter. John leads the forces against the Night King. That's the end of the world. They defeat him. The prophecy talks about Azorai trying again. There's days, 30 days, 50 days again. Look up the prophecy. And it talks about him taking a lion, capturing a lion. Cersei, Lannisters, King's Landing. That's still not it. And then he has to end up, you know, the sword goes in. To uh, the sword goes into uh, uh, Nisa Nisa, into into the heart. Well, there's Danny. I, I think that lines up, and I'm a dummy about it. I ain't a prophecy master here. Go find a grand grand master. So I don't think it all was just mindless subversion of our expectations as related to that. The White Walkers and the Children of the Forest. I just don't think. They gave us all the answers, and it's so again, it's similar to say Snoke in the First Order, and how that I am fascinated by Snoke. I'm fascinated by the First Order came to be and Ray Sloan leading the the leftover Imperials into uh, wild space and the unknown regions and all that stuff, and stuff goes wrong out there. We'll get all that one day. Star Wars history, it's going to come. Fascinated with it, so I am tremendously fascinated with the White Walkers, the Children of the Forest, the Night King. And the idea, the show kind of puts forth that the Night King, different from the Night's King, is that is just really upset that they made him. You turned me into this monster. Ice and snow and death for everyone. The idea that all those symbols are just him taunting them. Um, I don't think that decision is subverting expectations. I just think that is their answer. And sometimes the answers don't meet up to our expectations. I really do think it's as simple as that. I really do. Danny's pregnancy, uh, the hint of it, which talked about a lot in season seven. You cannot deny. We all, uh, she's probably going to be pregnant. They never said she was. There was never a guarantee. All these things are not guarantees. Um, Tyrion at the end of season seven, kind of as they, as John and Danny get it on. Remember, we all were worried for like two years. What's Tyrion lurking about? 
Yeah, it looks like he just might have uh, been very curious, upset, maybe kind of sort of in love as well with Danny, as he kind of admits, I think, a little bit in season eight. Um, I think um, I think all is there. And I'm not saying I'm getting this all right, by the way. I'm just saying from my point of view, I, I, I really bristle at the the... the and by the way, Vic, I'm not saying Vic's doing this either. I have to be very careful in this internet age about making sure all my comments, uh, even though they might one day be taken out of context, uh, will not be uh, misconstrued. But I think you hear Cashley talk. Get that. Uh, but it's a great it's a great question by Vic because uh, this co- keeps coming up. Friends, close friends of mine. They didn't pay it off, did they? Didn't they? Did they not? Maybe they didn't pay off what you thought. And this wasn't what the show was always going to be. Yeah, but I keep going back to the Valencar prophecy. I was so smug to those who didn't know. Season five began with Maggie the Frog giving Cersei a vision. Oh, they left out the Valencar prophecy, but it's what we feel would be the death of Cersei. The show didn't touch upon it. The absence of it isn't always a hint that it's going to be revealed later. You know, season seven, midway through, Cersei's like, oh, but ah, you know what? I forgot. I went back to Maggie the Frog. There's a prophecy of the Valencar. Uh, and that's a different conversation, I think, with book readers too. Um, Tyrion, for those, all right, put a slight book plot uh, discussion spoiler up. Tyrion, Jamie, after Tywin is is killed, Murdered by his son. Talking about where whores go. And that was a driving force for Tyrion through most of his uh, adventures until, you know, um, what we now believe, you know, eventually would be probably before Danny. I think Tyrion still ends up Danny's side in the books, but we're not there yet. All that was gone. All that was gone. And that was one of the times I remember getting upset. The episode ends, um, was it season four, ends. Tyrion uh, murders Tywin, has the final moment with Jamie, and I'm waiting for it. Because by this point, I'm a, I'm a book reader. And I'm waiting for it. Say where whores go. Talk about the where whores go. Talk about all this stuff. Jamie doesn't say it. Doesn't get into the story of Tyrion's first marriage. And I was thinking, what? What? Season five comes along and you see none of that's really there. Did they subvert expectations? No, they just had to make a decision as producers of a big budget TV program of how to really focus their story. And I think that's what they do. Sound, I think I sounded grumpier than I meant to be. It's the last Jedi thing. It's the last Jedi thing. Snoke was murdered to... F with fans. No. The character of Ben Solo made a choice to become Kylo Ren completely and kill his master so that no one is in front of him. It's not subverting expectations. That's how that story went. Vic, that's a great question. We'll probably have more discussions. This isn't saying to me that, again, that season eight was completely perfect or I don't still have questions. You know? I still, yeah, Braun. I wish Braun got a little more. But Braun's not in the story much in the books. He doesn't factor in 
Like season two, Braun is already on a different path. It's already a different character, but Jerome Flynn's awesome. We love it. So, you know, his scenes in season eight aren't my favorite. They're great scenes in there in and of themselves because Jerome Flynn and Peter Dinklage and uh, Nikolaj uh, have have uh, have good chemistry together. But I don't think it added much. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. I want more. Don't get me wrong. I I don't want. I did not want to have the Night King, you know, come to Bran and say. By the way, here's my plan. Here's what I do. No, just he's a menace. He's a menace. And it, it was the War for the Dawn. Uh, and it was the, the battle for humanity. And I do like what Rachel's point of like, uh, yeah, you know, could it have been? Do they know about this in Korth? Do the uh, Karth, excuse me, Spice Trader. Uh, do they know about this in Essos at all? That there's this big thing going on. But that's also, to me, the ties to the history of the show and the books and the world of ice and fire. Where did they have that first long night? Was that felt around the world? There seems to be some stories that there might be, but we don't know. You know, the history of Game of Thrones, uh, world of ice and fire is uh, is often changing based on who was telling it. So that's uh, interesting stuff to me. Um, again, I don't think we're done discussing that. And I'll bring on smarter people than me to get into it. Um, same with the Danny. Huh? I don't want to get started on the Danny one. I had a conversation with my friend. I, I don't think they, I get what they tried to do with Danny. I just don't think they earned it. And maybe they didn't. And maybe that's why there's a hullabaloo. Maybe I'm the dumb one. I just, it all made sense. Would I have wanted one more episode? Or I wanted a half episode where Danny is the tyrant queen but feels that she's doing good? Maybe, I, you know, yeah. More Game of Thrones is never going to be a problem for me. <laughs> Uh, I wish they could have done 15 episode seasons every year and killed their crew. You know, I, I uh, but I, I think, uh, I think it's there. It's more there than people say. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break as we often do here on Castle Talk and be right back with two more calls from you. So those breaks are important. Why are they important? Because I like to pay the cast members to come on this show. So we appreciate the sponsorships here on Anchor. I said this before. Not a lot of shows out there, including some rather large networks, consistently pay their talent. I get it. It's a tough business. We casually talk. Want to avoid that. So thank you for listening and sticking around. During the break, we're back here with some more calls Thanks to Eric and Vic with their calls. Now we got this call here from our friend TJ. Hey, what's going on, Ken? This is TJ calling again. I'm really into the books and seeing how they're going to end for Game of Thrones. And there are certain storylines that I'm really interested in. Like, I'm wondering how Euron Greyjoy's story is going to end, Victoria and Greyjoy, and Ariana Martell. For you, Ken, I wanted to ask you, what storyline in the books are you most interested in? Thanks for a great podcast. 
Well, thanks for a great call, TJ. Thanks for the kind words. I uh, love it. Book questions, book questions, book questions. All right. Now, this time, if you just if you haven't read the books, maybe you're like Lon Harris, our cast member, Lon Harris, creator of our name, Casually Talk. Uh, he, he's taking that uh, dive into the books. Uh, can't wait to check in with him on that. Um, TJ, you and I are synced up here on some of the things we're looking for uh, in the books, some of the storylines. Uh, the Great Joy storyline. Victoron, uh, Euron, Aaron, the damp hair, all of them. Uh, I'm interested. And I, I show Euron, uh, though well-performed, uh, not one of my favorite characters. I just uh, There's a lot of expectations. Oh, hey, we're talking about expectations again. Um, a lot of expectations I had for the Greyjoy storyline, like, say, Dorne. Chigan is another one. Um, that they, I think they just knew, didn't factor in the way we would want it to, and so they couldn't spend more time on it. And I'm not, that's, no one said that from the show, but that's the feeling you get. And I think they looked at, well, the Greyjoy storyline does, I think, factor in more heavily in the book, especially if you uh, have read all the way through book five, Dance with Dragons. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> You're on uh, Crow's Eye and uh, Victorin and... and uh, uh, the other red priest that's out there. All this. There's a lot of things. And Victorin's sailing towards uh, Danny, Slaver's Bay, all that stuff. So it factors in. So you got to do something. And it makes sense. Plus with Theon and, and uh, Yara uh, on the show. So I think you're on, uh, you grab pieces from all these other characters and put them in one. That's not uncommon for Game of Thrones. That's not uncommon for a lot of movies and shows that are adaptations of comics or books or other materials. So I totally agree their decision. He is over the top. Uh, he is evil, pure evil, dastardly, mustache-twirling kind of character, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but I think I'm just more looking forward to seeing how that plays out in the books and the, and the Dornish plot, the Dornish plan. Where does that all factor in? Uh, Arian Martell, like you mentioned, TJ, a lot of that. Things again, these are things that are not on the show, so I'm a little bit more interested in seeing where they go, not than the other, other, you know, show main characters. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it just would make sense if you're a book reader. The one, though, that I am beyond a shadow of a doubt waiting for is Old Griff, Young Griff, John Connington, and uh, Aegon Targaryen, the sixth question mark? I am just dying to see where that one goes. Again, if you're listening, you're not familiar with the books uh, and you're not afraid about being spoiled or, you know, you know, you're not going to read the books. This storyline very much ties in with Tyrion, very much ties in with perhaps some Targaryen bastards or some conspiracy theories. Is he Aegon or is he fake gone? Michelle Boyd and I used to always kind of have fun debating that one there. I, I, for a while, was like, no, I think he's Aegon. Um, but I don't think so now. I think the coming from the bastard line might work, but we don't know yet. None of that's played out. John Connington, a former Hand of the King, exiled. By Tywin and everyone are now kind of working, maybe, a little bit, yes, with Illyrio Mapathis and Varys as they try to, uh, you know, get the Targaryen restoration going. I think it's pretty fascinating stuff to me. Uh, I love where it ends in Book 5. And again, John Connington is the one with Grayscale, falling in the water, saving Tyrion, all that stuff. So they, they combined a lot about that on the show, and I remember I was disappointed. I was disappointed. Again, Season 4 ends, like I said. 
you seem to Tyrion's heading over to Essos, and it's like that's that's I'd, I'd read book five by this time, so I'm like, oh, we got some great stuff coming, and then it, and it just clearly wasn't factor factored into the show, and I thought, and that I, I think that's always a clue. It's not a hundred percent clue, but it's always a clue that some of these big storylines don't fa- and the books don't factor into the end of the books because the show, in going through it, knew they could toss them out. And that includes Lady Stoneheart. Uh, that's one I'm interested in. Brienne being captured, all that kind of stuff. But it's John Connington, Aegon Targaryen revealed, Young Griff, and how that factors in. And what's Danny's reaction to that? She very well could have two Targaryens, maybe even both, named Aegon, vying for her throne. I want to see how that plays out. I want to see how that plays out, indeed. And there's always going to be how things are on the show compared to the books. I'm very curious to see how George presents Hodor's death and his story. He said it's um, paraphrasing, but, you know, it's similar in the books, but different. <laughs> I think it still has to kind of mean the same, Hodor, hold the door. I think that's uh, that's probably going to be there again. I don't know. If you're uh, if you're out there listening and you have conversations with George, you know, I, you know slip us a line. Let us know. Um. I kid, I kid. So I'm, I'm, I'm that one more than anything. Uh, Howland Reed, the Reeds in general, Mira, Jojen. Jojen's still alive in the book, so those kind of things. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my man, Stannis. I think it's still going to go the same way for Stannis. I think Stannis is still that lesson about going for destiny and letting it poison you. I still think he will. Uh, I think he's going to burn his daughter in the in the books, too. Uh, I, I, I would be... Dan and Dave and their team come up with a lot of things on their own. Some of them bad, some of them well-received, some of them not well-received. I, I I don't think they're the ones who are like, hey, he should burn Shireen. <laughs> it seems like a pretty big plot point. So those are some ones I'm looking for. What are you out there? Let's get some calls. Uh, that might be ones that we already already talked about here. Let's get book heavy. Let's get book heavy here in Castle Talk. Uh, give us a call. Give us a message and talk about the book stories you're looking forward to reading about. Knowing more about, seeing play out differently, contrast and comparing. I am very much in the school of thought that you have to look at the show separately from the books, even going back to season one. Season one syncs up pretty damn well. By season two, there's some big changes. It's already on its own path. Uh, I, I think uh, in terms of just big plot points and characters being in different spots and communicating with different characters, by season two, we are off the trail. Uh, it's still we can still see the trail, but we're off of it. Uh, so I th- think you have to look at them differently. But without a doubt, the histories, the prophecies, all those things that you read and study and pay attention to in the books, they still fuel the show and they fuel your enjoyment of the show and they fuel your knowledge of the show. Which again, going back to even Vic's call and subverting expectations and things left unanswered or things not meeting our expectations, it, it make it all makes sense. If you've been studying the prophecies and the show didn't give you the answer to those prophecies, I understand why you might be wanting more or even more now eager to read the book. So, TJ, thank you for your call. I hope to hear from you again. And this is our final call of the day from our friend Alden. Hey, Ken. Alden Diaz here. Just wanted to ask you a quick question about the future of Casterly Talk, the feed in general, and uh, you podcasting about Game of Thrones with Lon, Rachel, Andres, and uh, all the other rotating guest stars that we might see talking about Game of Thrones. I wanted to know if you guys would ever do some sort of Game of Thrones ranked show, you know, take a page out of the Force Center 
podcast feed book and bring it over into the world of Game of Thrones. Westeros ranked with such episodes like, I don't know, uh, top five uh, moments of Sabron of the Blackwater or uh, top five moments of uh, Peter Baelish or, or top five locations, different things like that. Uh, as we move forward in uh, our long wait until the Age of Heroes long night, uh, whatever they're going to call it, prequel show. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Have a good one. Thank you. Alden, I, say, I think I say Alden. He says Alden, and he says Alden, and I say Alden. I, you know, but uh, <laughs> Alden is a, is a great cat. Met him in, uh, what was it, cat? Chicago? Yes, Chicago. I've been fortunate to be on the road a lot, so sometimes I forget what cities I meet you wonderful cats uh, out in. So um, future Casterly Talk, we've talked about a little bit here, but let's put it down for the records, the maesters, to tell all the world. Uh, Casterly Talk will go on. You've seen now the switch. We're back to Saturdays. Leading up to Season 8, we were broadcasting, uh, releasing episodes Saturdays. Switch to kind of Monday or Tuesday, obviously, for the reviews to get those out. Wanted to take her time, but also not to wait too long. Back to Saturdays. It works best for my podcast schedule. I release content seven days a week. Try to not to step over myself as best as I can. Got the Knapsack Files podcast feed, uh, the Afternoons with Josh and Ken, and Force Center, the big ones. Over on YouTube, do some things like Motivations with Ken and little things like that. Uh, put some of these episodes up at Casually Talk on YouTube. I know that was uh, very well received, but... Just as as the discourse around Game of Thrones Season 8 got really, really bad, I just found myself uh, not wanting to do that as much. Uh, It's not what my YouTube channel is really for, and uh, my YouTube I'm I'm not a YouTuber. I'm I'm not sitting there putting out videos every day. Just kind of do what I want to do over there. So I apologize to some of you who love listening to the show in that format. I get it, uh, but we're here on Anchor. The other shows I do on our Anchor. So that's uh, my first concern is is kind of realigning the release schedule back to Saturdays uh, for, in general, for Casterly Talk. We go on. I'll try to be weekly here. I'll try to maintain something. It's going to be me a lot uh, until we start uh, getting uh, a little more up and running. It doesn't mean Ron, Rachel, and Andres, or some kind of combination of the three will come, won't come, won't be back. They'll be back uh, absolutely. I think all four of us we'd love, we'd love to talk Game of Thrones weekly. Logistically, working here in LA, where we all live, it's a it's a hike where my studio is for Rachel and Lawn, particularly with work schedules. Andres lives a little closer to me, so that's why you might hear Andres a little bit more in the interim. Uh, you know, getting over it's just that reality that a good old LA traffic you always hear about, or maybe you know about. That's part of it too. That's just the logistics. I like to be transparent about that kind of stuff. Uh, I love the calls, TJ, Vic, Eric, Alden. Great calls today. You've uh, all four have had great calls before. I want I want more calls. I want new voices just like we had back in the Daily Thrones days. Use that Anchor app. Leave a message. I think that's very important. Um, we'll be doing that. The book will become uh, a little more in focus. The stories, the maps, the histories. And, yeah, Alden, I like what you're talking about. Ranking. We do that on Force Center. For those who don't listen to the Force Center podcast, I have a show called Star Wars Ranked. Pretty simple, as we say in the intro of the show. Get it, got it good. It's pretty simple. We we rank things. <laughs> fans like ranking things. That's what we do, especially Star Wars fans. Game of Thrones, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Andres and I did that. You know, the best fighters remaining, best fights, those kind of things. We love doing that too. So we'll we'll definitely do that. I won't say it's going to be weekly, monthly. We'll kind of see how it goes. One of the things I am starting to work on with Thomas Rizling, Sir Thomas Atolls. He's sometimes known around these parts. Uh, host of the Ruminations of the Realm segment, which, by the way, that segment will continue. I'll be on a lot of episodes monthly. 
Um, he and I are talking about some history things, uh, going back and folks. Now, other people do it better on YouTube. I, I always say, like I said earlier, I'm a pop song. Other things you can find, um, uh, maps and cities and battles and breaking them all down. I, I, I listen to History of Westeros. I you know, still think Emergency Awesome is great. There's um, a lot of Alt-Shift-X, obviously. There's a lot of people out there doing Game of Thrones content. I'm glad you stopped by for mine. But, hey, we're going to have a little bit more of our history and, and take uh, our takes on some of the history and insights that Thomas and I are working on something with that, so stay tuned for that. It goes on. It goes on. It, Game of Thrones, the show, yep, it's done. But you can still look back. We can still talk about it. Uh, Star Wars, yeah, we got some new Star Wars stuff coming, a lot of it, but I was talking about it on shows in 2012, 2013, 2014. Yeah, we didn't know Lucasfilm was coming, uh, you know, with some new stuff, but there's still a lot to look back on, and I think that's true with Game of Thrones. And then we have Song of Ice and Fire, uh, the World of Ice and Fire, the History's End Course, the prequel series coming. So uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be going strong here. Uh, but like I said earlier, for now. Uh, it's, uh, me, maybe your calls a little bit smaller, low five version of the show, and we'll start working everyone back in. And then I want to do these interviews that talked about it, but with, um, uh, people, Rachel, Lon, Andres, uh, among them, but, uh, people in the industry around me, friends who are passionate Game of Thrones fans who are going to sit down with me and we're going to talk about our journey, talk about everything, uh, the eight years, the eight seasons, what we learned, what we went through. Uh, the philosophies, the fun, all those kind of things. Looking forward to do something like that as well. So that's kind of where we're at. I hope you guys want to be along for the ride. I know my numbers are going to be a little smaller. Listenership not going to be as high. I get it. I get it. The show's got your attention, but we roll on here at Casually Talk, and a lot of that's going to be very, uh, very, uh, uh, it's going to be very important to have your voices, your calls, your thoughts on here as well. So use that Anchor app. Just go to Anchor FM, uh, anchor.fm. Casually talk to find out more too. Uh, you could probably do it from your desktop too, but I think it's just easier from the phone. So that's it. Uh, we're wrapping up this week, but you also uh, know where to find me. You can go to at Cadnapsack. We have a Casually Talk Facebook page, not on Twitter. Uh, you can go ahead and like us there. Uh, reach out using the hashtag Casually Talk if you're talking to me on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can go support Patreon page, patreon.com slash Cadnapsack. That's for all the shows I do uh, outside of Force Center in the afternoons. Those are standalones. Uh, and, of course, my book, Why We Love Star Wars, is out there. You can go to KenNapsack.com to find links to order it on Amazon or just go to a local bookstore there and say, hey, uh, I like this book on Star Wars. This guy seems all right. Can you order it? All right. That's it. Valor Margulis. Valor Mar- Dohiris. We'll see you all.